Today's retirees have possibly more money than any previous generation, and this could mean they'll pay the most in taxes. Coming up, we'll outline some potential ways to plan for the taxes of tomorrow. Welcome in to The Retirement Referee with Steve Caruso. Welcome in, everybody. This is The Retirement Referee with Steve Caruso. I'm consumer advocate Steve Siddall. This is the show where we blow the whistle on financial fouls. He's a best-selling author called uh, of a book called Cookie Cut This, Retirement Distribution Strategies for the Nonconformist. He's a fiduciary and independent, helping folks for more than 20 years. Uh, hi, Steve. How's things? Things are great. How are you doing this evening? Very, very well, thank you. And uh, boy, you got my attention. Uh, the taxes of tomorrow, because I think they're going to be a little more than they are today. Yeah, absolutely. So, and, and we have to plan for that, don't we? I mean, we have to sort of dig in and figure out how we can, you know, at least minimize or mitigate in some cases taxes. I mean, we've got to pay what we owe, but we certainly don't need to pay any more than that. Right. No, it's uh, it's like Disney World. You get a like Tomorrowland in Disney World, right? You right. To, uh, <laughs> it's not going to just be Space Mountain. It's also going to be more taxes. Yeah, um, exactly. And so, uh, no, they, so the taxes of tomorrow, we have to, we talk a lot on this show about reversion to the mean and what that means, right? So if you look at tax rates and where they've been historically, we're actually at a very low point in, in, in tax brackets in terms of, um, from a historical standpoint, if you think about where tax brackets were at the beginning of the eighties, uh, top tax rates were close to 70%. Now they're 37%. Wow. That's a big difference. Now, Right. And so the government can only really raise revenue two ways. They can either increase what they're charging people in taxes, or they can increase the base, the tax base of the number of people paying taxes. And so it's very likely, given all the government spending, and you know, we just obviously uh, signed a plan to spend even more money. Um, <laughs> yes, indeed. So they're going to have to pay for that at some point. And that's going to come from taxes. And it's great to say, oh, we're going to only tax the wealthy. Um, but that the reality is, is that everyone ends up paying a little bit more in taxes. I mean, that's just that's just a fact, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. It is. I mean, so it, you, they get you one way or the other. So either they take away a deduction that that, you know, that impacts a lot of people or, you know, they may not call it an increase in your tax rate if you make below a certain income, mm -hmm. but they, they'll they'll get the money in some other way. So, I mean, again, from a retirement standpoint, um, Social Security is uh, often taxed, and there are a number of reasons for that. But, but again, that's something that can really impact us if we don't plan for it. Yeah, no, absolutely. So Social Security looks at something called your countable income. And basically, if that countable income is above, call it 44000 if you're filing jointly, um, your benefit is essentially 85% taxable. So... Um, you're paying tax on your social security as well as, um, you know, presumably you have a pension or an IRA distribution. Sure. And so, you know, if you're, and I have this conversation very often with people who are maybe in their late fifties and still working. And I'll talk to them and I'll say, why not contribute your new contributions to the Roth 401k? And they'll say, why, why would I do that? I'm not, I'm going to retire in a few years. And I say, look, you have a seven figure, and this is something we do for all of our clients and we do for the listeners on this show too, is the person might have a seven figure pre-tax retirement balance. If they're 58 now and they continue to plug in say $27,000 a year, which is what the maximum contribution will be next year, um, at, in, into a pre-tax 
pot of money. By the time they're 72, their minimum distribution is going to be six figures. And we'll show you that. We'll project out what your minimum distribution is. And then at that point, you can no longer control your tax bracket. Whereas if you took that new money, you're not eliminating the, the existing problem. You're mitigating it. So you're not compounding it by adding on more pre-tax money and creating a, a huge future tax liability. And so that's one of the things that we look at. And so, and I, I have that situation come up at least at least weekly, uh, where someone will have will be plugging money into an account that might have 1.4, 1.5 million dollars in it already. That's pre-tax. That is going to ultimately by the time they get to 72 and have to start taking minimum distributions be a very significant balance and have a, a six figure minimum distribution associated with it. That and sounds so, painful. <laughs> it is. Yeah. So especially if, if your lifestyle, so usually the people who have that kind of money saved, they didn't get that, that money saved in there by accident, right? It's because they live a pretty uh, modest lifestyle. And so my experience in doing this now for over 20 years is that people who pre-retirement live a modest lifestyle don't all of a sudden become, you know, big spenders or spendthrifts. And so they tend to, um, maybe they, maybe their spending ticks up a little bit, but it doesn't tick up that much. And then all of a sudden they have, they're essentially taking a distribution in their seventies that they're not spending. And now they have this big tax bill and their silent beneficiary of that transaction is, is uncle Sam. Well, and again, but the Roth conversion, those have to be, if someone is thinking of starting a Roth conversion this year, it has to be done before December 31st. So time is running out if you want to do that. And and you don't want, I mean, yeah, I mean, it's just got to be done by the end of the year. Right. And so, especially with the pandemic, now the pandemic has affected people's income differently, depending on the industry that you're in. But if you've seen a, a drop in your income over the last year or two, it might make sense to to carve out a little bit and do a, a Roth conversion. And it certainly would make sense in terms of instead of putting the pre money into your the new money into your 401k pre-tax, if your 401k offers a Roth, do those new contributions into Roth. And so, and that's one of the things that we're going to look at because as a financial planner, no one knows what the market is going to do from one day to the next. So no one can guarantee you my investment is going to be better than yours. Right. But right. we can save you money two ways. We can keep you from paying unnecessary fees, whether it's on, you know, mutual fund expenses or annuity riders that you don't need or, um, you know, perhaps asset manager fees and unnecessary taxes. So if we can keep you if we can manage your tax bracket and keep you from jumping from, say, the 12 percent bracket to the 22 percent bracket then all of a sudden that's an extra 10 cents in the dollar in your pocket if, we, if we're if we managing things correctly. Right. Well, I mean, again, it just becomes a math issue that, that, you know, when you play it out like that, it makes perfect sense. And I mean, I realize a Roth isn't necessarily for everyone, but boy, you can help us understand if it's right for us. Yeah, no, absolutely. And that's what we, we do. And that's part of the planning that we do. And I mean, the Roth is obviously not the only tax-free vehicle out there. There's also... Um, you know, municipal bonds and you could, um, there are other ways to, to mitigate taxes down the road using something like a health savings account um, or even cash value life insurance. Now, cash value life insurance is a strategy that gets presented to a lot of people. It's not right for everyone, um, but there are certain situations where that, that could also um, provide some, some tax advantages. And those are the types of things that we look at. And 
we offer that to our listeners every week. We offer 15 free spots to the first 15 callers. And we're going to do a comprehensive retirement distribution plan. We're going to show you what your taxes are going to look like in retirement and what your purchasing power is going to be. And so that's much more, that's much different than just saying, Hey, look, you have this much guaranteed income. We're going to show you, all right, well, when you factor in inflation and taxes, this is what your after-tax purchasing power is based on how you have things invested now. And if you tweak it, here's, here's what you could do. And here's how, here that, here's how that will impact what you'll be able to spend in retirement. Hey, that sounds great, Steve. Folks, this is a great opportunity for you to sit down with Steve and, and map this thing out. Put together that financial roadmap. It's a phone call away at 800-705-9995. You heard, Steve, you, 15 callers are going to get that financial review showing you where you are today. Yes, but more importantly, it, it's going to be that roadmap that you need to help get you to where you need to be when it comes to retirement. Make that call today, 800-705-9995. Again, 800 705 9995. The closer we get to retirement, the more we need to make sure our plan is helping us keep our money safe. When we get back, we've got some ideas and strategies to do just that. back on the retirement referee with steve caruso i'm consumer advocate steve Sadal. of course uh, steve is a fiduciary he's independent he's a best-selling author cookie cut this retirement distribution strategies for the non-conformist and uh, so much more you've been helping folks for a long time steve uh, 20 plus years you've been uh, in this business helping go- folks you know bridge that gap from you know the, that acquisition and that, that transition into you know distribution and preservation that's right i've been doing this since i'm going into my 24th year and wow uh for the last 21 of them I've been focused entirely on retirement distribution planning. So um, when I first started doing it, I I used to be able to, I used to say that uh, my average client can tell you where they were when Kennedy was assassinated. Now, uh, now I have some people that are, that were probably infants when Kennedy was assassinated, but um, (laughs) you know, that's all I do is retirement distribution planning. So I'm only working with people really who are, are nearing retirement or just entered retirement. Well, and I mean, I'm working with them to and through retirement. Well, absolutely. And, and and I mean, so over the time that you've been doing this, there's been a lot of changes, obviously. And one of them is uh, the 401k has come to prominence. Uh, pensions have sort of gone by the wayside. So let's talk about 401ks and our investments inside those. And, and how do we manage that? How do we even know what they are? Yeah, so that's that's a great question. And this is one of the things that when we do when we do plans for people, we we always focus a lot of time on this because this is one of the areas where people kind of mismanage their assets, and so they kind of set it and forget it. Most of the most people just say, oh, "I don't want to think about it." They've already created this thing that says retire twenty thirty. That's when I plan to retire. So let me just plug my money in that. Right. Well, that's not necessarily the best the best allocation for you. That's a cookie cutter allocation, which if you can tell from the name of my book, I'm not too fond of cookie cutters. Right. Um, and so uh, what the, the reason that's problematic is it's based on, on rules of thumb in investing that were, were based on a set of circumstances that no longer exist. So when people started saying you need to move more into bonds as you retire, interest rates were at 15, 16%, and we had the greatest environment ever for, for bonds. Interest rates are less than a percent now in a lot of cases, and it's not a very good environment for bonds because as interest rates go up, bond funds, which is what you have in your 401k, will go down. 
And so it's much smarter to create an individualized plan where we look at what your spending is going to be. And we say, all right, here's how much your projected spending is. And here's how much guaranteed income you have. You have a shortfall of X, let's say $2,000. We should carve out three to five years of that shortfall. Let's just say on the conservative side, five years, right? Mm -hmm. So that's $120,000 if you have a $2,000 a month shortfall. And so if you, if you do that, um, then the rest of your money can be put into stocks. So you could use something like if you were super conservative and you wanted to have five years of your shortfall as opposed to three years, you could have that set aside in something like a stable value fund in your 401k, which might get you one or 2%, but probably does better than a bond fund over the next five years. Um, or if you're able to roll money out of your plan using an in-service distribution, you might even be able to put it into some type of a fixed annuity for those five years and get even more than the one or 2% with, with a principal guarantee. Explain the in-service um, rollover, Steve. Explain what that means. I don't think everybody understands that. Okay, so if you're still participating in your 401k plan and you're older than 59 and a half, Many plans will allow you to take the existing balance, your existing vested balance, and roll it into an IRA. The reason that can be beneficial is because it allows you access to any kind of uh, investment vehicles that are available outside of your plan that maybe aren't available in your plan. And so that's one, one big advantage of doing an in-service rollover. Mm -hmm. The other big advantage of doing an in-service rollover, and I think, as I mentioned plenty of times on this show, I work with a lot of federal employees. And so um, their plan is called the TSP. If you keep your money in your TSP and you decide to distribute from it when you retire, then your distribution is going to come out proportionate. And you say, well, why is that a big deal? Well, let's just say you're in a month like March of 2020. And this is a real situation that happens to people, right? So mm -hmm. now you retired in, let's just say you retired at the end of December. And the federal government is going to give you a pension, but it hasn't got started yet. It takes, it, you know, their um, personnel management is still processing your, um, your pension. And so you have a gap in time where you need money. So you go to pull from that retirement plan. Well, in March of 2020, the market went down 38%. So now if you were, uh, if you were say 30% in the G fund, which is their equivalent of the stable value fund and 70% in the C fund, which is a stock fund, 70% of that money that you're pulling out is coming out of the stock fund when it's down 38% for the month. And so you're, you're selling a lot more shares and that's going to hinder you going forward because then you'll have less shares growing for you. So one of the advantages of doing an in-service rollover is you could pull the equity piece or the stock piece out of your 401k plan and you could replicate it in an IRA. Why does that make sense? Well, let's just say you're in your 401k, you're in an S&P 500 fund. You could own that S&P 500 fund in an IRA for the exact same cost, probably even less if you're using Fidelity or Vanguard, right? Okay. And now if the money that's remaining when you retire in your 401k is money that's in the stable value fund, which is probably getting you say one or 2%, Whereas a bank account or a money market or a CD wouldn't get you that kind of interest. Um, and the market's down, you pull, you pull straight from the stable value fund. 
and you don't have to touch the stock piece of your portfolio. If the market's doing great, then you sell some of the stocks and you leave the stable value for a rainy day. And so um, it gives you the flexibility to choose where your distribution comes from. If you know that the money that you're investing in the stock market is, is money that you don't need in the next five years because you've carved out money, five years worth of your income need into something safe, then your attitude for risk might shift. Now, some people say, even if I have my money safe, I really don't want to take a lot of risk in the stock market. Well, then in that case, you would still use a maybe a more diversified portfolio of stocks and bonds for the growth bucket. But as a rule, if you've already carved out five years for safety and you've you've created something to generate the income that you're going to need, uh, you know, not counting inflation. So if you if you carved out a piece that's going to create you that, say, two thousand dollars a month, then all the other money is the goal of that other money is to keep pace with inflation. And we don't know what the stock market is going to do from one day to the next. But we know that when we're holding stock investments longer than five years, there's more than a 90% probability that you're going to outpace inflation. And so stocks over the long run outpace inflation better than any other asset class. Sure. And so understanding why you own the investments you own and how they work is important because like so many things that we talk about on this show, the whole goal of financial planning is to create peace of mind and to sleep well at night. And if you understand why you own the investments you own, why you own them in the accounts that you own them in, that that gives you more confidence and it, it allows you to enter retirement feeling good. And that's that's what you want. You don't want to pull the plug on working and then feel nervous and dread because you did it. And so having a plan gives you clarity, gives you peace of mind, helps you sleep at night. And we still have nine spots left. We offer that plan absolutely free to our listeners. Um, be one of the next nine callers and we will definitely sit down, meet with you and put together that comprehensive retirement distribution plan. 800-705-9995. Again, 800-705-9995. There are plenty of things that can impact your retirement. Don't let procrastination be one of them. When we come back, five things not to put off when it comes to retirement plan. back on The Retirement Referee with Steve Caruso. I'm consumer advocate Steve Siddall, and uh, this is the show where, well, we both blow the whistle on financial fouls. I'm surprised he doesn't have a whistle. <laughs> He's a best-selling author of uh, Cookie Cut This, Retirement Distribution Strategies for the Nonconformist. Uh, he's a highly sought-after speaker to talk with other advisors about helping them help their clients, and uh, he's certainly ready, willing, and able to help you. Um, you talk about procrastination, and I love this quote. Uh, it says, uh, procrastination is the art of keeping up with yesterday. And that's very true. Um, and I guess we all fall victim to procrastination, but we shouldn't do that when it comes to planning for retirement because it's going to be here before you know it. Yeah, no, absolutely. And so one of the first things we want to talk about is budgeting in retirement. And so I talk a lot about this in my book, right? And I, I use the example, and my daughter's 17 now, but when she was, you know, in, she grew up in Manhattan. And so in Manhattan, um, preschool is a huge deal. <laughs> and right. so there are the getting your kid into a preschool is like, a, it's, it's hard to comprehend if you live anywhere else in the country. But so when we were going, when she was three years old, we were going on tours of preschools and they would give you the, you know, all this laundry list of, of things that, uh, you know, 
your child's going to learn and whatnot. And then they, then you'd see, you'd get sticker shock when you see the, the price tag. Right. And so what I said to my wife is, listen, we can do, we can replicate all of these things on our own without, you know, cause they teach the kids French, they teach the kids this, that, and, and let's plan for the child that we have not the child we wish we had. Right. So right. my daughter's not going to sit there and, and, you know, drill French words all day long at, at three years old. She was, you know, she was all over the place. She was very active. So, yeah. I, so, so we ended up sending her to a YMCA preschool where she had a lot of fun, made great friends. And, um, we didn't pay, we paid a, a fraction of the, of the cost, but we did that because we, we based it on the child we have, not on the, the child we wish we had. Right. We don't, we weren't, trying to create some type of, um, you know, super, super robot, uh, you know, knows every, everything about everything type of, of child. And so it's the same thing with your retirement planning, right? So if you, this is the biggest mistake that people make when they first retire is they look at a co- a list of, they create one of these worksheets of their, their fixed expenses and they say, all right, well, this is how much I'm going to spend. Well, that completely fails to take into consideration your lifestyle. Because when you're just looking at your fixed expenses and you say, I have this much for cable, this much for phone bill, it, it doesn't take into the consideration the times that your, um, your kids come home and hit you up for money. It doesn't cut, take into consideration when you go to parties or weddings or when you go out to dinner or you buy show tickets. And so the most realistic budget is to actually forensically look at what you're spending now. And thanks to technology, we can do that fairly easy. So most financial planners, myself included, will have software where it will aggregate your various credit cards and bank accounts. So it, what it does is you, you, you feed in the data from your bank, from your credit cards. It feeds into the website and it will show you this is what you made in deposits. This is what went out the door. And you can see if there's a shortfall. And you can you can track your spending over a three month or uh, a ten month or you know however long you want to track it for. And what it does is it, it gives you a realistic budget of like, hey, look, this is what I'm spending now, and here's what I think I'll be spending going forward because I want to add in these these extra trips and my typical vacation costs me X, and I want to do that two times next year. So then you add that into you add that into your budget and you, you, if you start with a more realistic vision or realistic budget, then you end up in a much better place. Sure. Well, that makes sense. And and so let's talk about debt because that's everybody's favorite topic. And I know that you are a get out of debt guy when it comes to retirement. But my question is, if we have a low interest rate mortgage, is that okay to bring into retirement? Absolutely. Uh, especially right now where interest rates, some people have below three. I've, I've, I've had clients that have mortgages that are below 2%. Oh my gosh. And so, Sign me and up so, for that one. <laughs> exactly. So, I mean, if you, if you're sitting all, if you're keeping all of your assets in the bank at a 10th of a percent interest, then maybe it doesn't um, make sense to not pay off your, your mortgage, but mm-hmm. there's a value to liquidity in retirement and ha- a, a mortgage is a predictable debt. What you don't want to have is high interest rate, unpredictable debt, meaning credit card balances where you're paying 17, sometimes even 26% interest. Um, you want to get those debts eliminated before you retire. Ideally, you don't want to have a 401k loan when you retire. Um, it's not the end of the world if you do, but what happens is if you don't pay that back, 
um, it becomes taxable income. So then you're going to, on top of just retiring and not having an income anymore, you're going to have a, a tax bill for the remaining balance on the loan. So certain debts are okay. The mortgage is definitely an okay debt to have. And it you have to also look at liquidity, right? So if you have, say, $100,000 that you owe on your mortgage and you have $130,000 in the bank, sure, you could you could look at that mathematically and say, well, uh, my bank account's giving me a tenth of a percent. I'm paying two and a half percent on my mortgage. It's smarter for me to pay this off. Well, no, not really, because the the 130 that you have in the bank is a safety net. It's a, a cushion of liquidity. Once you pay off that mortgage and you're no longer working, you can't then go back and borrow it again because a lot of lenders aren't going to give you that aren't going to allow you to borrow based on the fact that you don't have a job anymore. The other so, that, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so it's it can be okay to pay off the mortgage but you have to have ample liquidity and there has to be it has to be in the context of a plan. Of course. Of course. And again, so uh, we also have to talk a little bit about insurance before we run out of time. Um we're talking healthcare insurance uh, which could lead into long-term care. I mean, that has to be a has to be figured in as well. And it's not cheap. Yeah, no. So there's a couple of different things. Number number one on health and healthcare, you know, when you're retiring, what medicines you're taking now, you know, if you have problems that are going to, I mean, again, it goes back to the, the, what we started the conversation with, with being realistic. If you have had a litany of health issues leading up to retirement, then it's reasonable to assume that you're going to continue to have health issues in retirement. So you want to make sure that you're choosing a prescription drug plan, for example, that has the drugs that you need in its formulary. Um, so, and you want to try and mitigate the costs ahead of time. These are reasonably foreseeable costs. If you have, uh, staying on that same topic, if you have, for example, a house that's 40 years old, and I've had this recently with a couple clients where they said to me, you know what, I, I'm probably going to sell my house in five years, but I ha it's a 50-year-old house and it hasn't never been repaired. And I know it's going to need a new roof, a new this, a new that. And so um, those are reasonably foreseeable things and you should you should plan for them because guess what? If you go to sell the house, guess what that buyer, if they do an inspection, is probably going to ask you to say, they're going to say, you need to do this or you need to knock the price down for this or that. And so you have to, you have to be, that again, that's not an unforeseen expense. That's something you can reasonably foresee. Of course. And so it starts with asking the right questions. And that's what we do when we put together a financial plan. And we still have five spots left. We're going to do that for you absolutely free. That's a great opportunity, folks. Again, there's no cost, there's no obligation, but what a great way to be able to sit down and, and get a handle on what your retirement picture could be. Uh, that's what Steve can do for you. Take a lot of that you know, practical financial review, give you the right information, give you options. And it starts with that phone call, 800-705-9995. You'll get that comprehensive financial review. You'll see where you are today. But more importantly, you'll have that roadmap that can help get you to where you need to be when it comes to retirement. Don't hesitate. Make that call today, 800-705-9995. Again, 800-705-9995. When we come back, it's time for questions from our listeners. Good stuff right after this. Hey, 
Okay, we're back. I'm the retirement referee with Steve Caruso. It's the show where we blow the whistle on financial fouls. I'm consumer advocate Steve Siddall. Steve's a best-selling author. It's the Cookie Cut This, Retirement Distribution Strategies for the Nonconformist. Uh, I would encourage you to check that out on Amazon. And uh, you're staying pretty busy, Steve, right? People are, are people concerned? What are they calling and asking these days? Oh, my God. Yeah, we get calls all the time about a variety of different stuff. A lot of stuff right now is you know, political, right? Sure, is, sure. And so it depends on what side of the spectrum you're on uh, politically. But I mean, you get, depending on 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 that person's political leaning, you you might say, this, you might hear, this is the worst time ever to invest. I need to get my money out. And, and the thing is, is, uh, and then you get also a lot of calls now about cryptocurrency. Okay, sure. Um, should, I, should I be investing in cryptocurrency? Because I have a neighbor who just made a killing in cryptocurrency. So before we get into the questions, I kind of want to touch on those two things. Because okay, let's do I've it. Been hearing, yeah, I've been hearing that stuff a lot. And so let's let's start with the political stuff. Right? Okay. So um, the, the party in power really has very little impact on the market. And especially when it's not one party in, in, in control of everything, there's the market doesn't react differently for Democrat or Republican when uh, you look at it over over history. Where it does the best, actually, um, is when there's gridlock. And you might say to yourself, why why is that a good thing, gridlock? That means nothing's getting done in Washington. Well, that's exactly it. Nothing's getting done in Washington to interfere <laughs> exactly. with the market. <laughs> and so, um, so, you know, it, whether whether you you hate the, the, the current political uh, people in power or, or love the current political people in power, it really doesn't impact the, the stock market as much as you might think. And what really impacts the stock market is earnings. And 82% of the companies that reported earnings this past quarter beat their expectation. And they beat on average by about 33% or their revenue growth was about 33% higher than it was year over year. And so when you have earnings growing, stock price is a function of earnings. Stock prices will continue to go up. Now, could there be pockets of volatility with, you know, things like the debt ceiling? Yeah, of course there could be. But at those, at the end of the day, those things tend to get resolved and the market tends to continue to move higher as long as the underlying companies are continuing to grow their earnings. So that's number one. In terms of crypto, I want to talk about something that, to frame the discussion a little bit differently. Okay. So one of the things I talk about when I've taught classes is social media bias. And it's sort of the, the idea that people are doing better than they really are. And so, and the reason I call it social media bias is because no one goes on social media and, and rants about how crappy their life is. They only Never. talk about the good things, right? Right. So they, they talk about they talk about the child that got into Harvard. They don't talk about the child that's stealing money and going out and buying drugs. So there, it gives this false sense that they're they're everyone's doing better than and that you're missing out because you might have a friend that that put a hundred dollars in in Bitcoin and, and made a killing, but they probably also had 15 other investments that they lost money on. And so is Bitcoin something that you should go and put or a cryptocurrency something that you should go and put a lot of money in? Absolutely not. It's too, it's, it's too intangible. It's, you, there's no way of really knowing what it's worth. If 
you are going to put money in the crypto space, don't put money that you can't afford to lose. Treat it almost like a casino. If you went into the casino and you bet money that you couldn't afford to lose, you're going to go out of there very depressed, right? If you went into the casino and said, I have this amount of money in my pocket. And if, if I lose it, then I lose it. If I win, I win. Then, you know, and that's the way you should treat crypto. If you wanted to carve out a one or 2% of your, your overall holdings into crypto and say, Hey, look, this is an amount I'm comfortable losing, then it's fine. Uh, I'm seeing people ask me about, Hey, I want to put, I want to pull out of my S and P 500 fund which is a core holding in their portfolio and say, I want to put, I want to put a chunk of it in crypto. I, I don't think that that makes a lot of sense. So I want to caution people about that because we do get a lot of questions on that. Oh, and I don't, we don't typically, we don't, we get so many questions on that every week and we don't typically throw it into the question and answer segment. So I figured I'll do it just kind of uh, cause we get a lot of, you know, you know this from looking at the questions. Sure. We get a lot of offshoot questions on that. So well, I wanted course. to, to address well, that. But I think that's an interesting discussion, the whole crypto thing, because again, yeah, you're right. Nobody's going to admit their losses. And cryptocurrency, just there's so many different kinds out there. There's so many different ways to do it. And it it's really kind of confusing. And so many people don't even have the beginning of understanding how it actually works. Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah. All right. Well, let's see. We'll, we'll get to a question here. Let's do that right now. Uh, we've got Paul checking in. Uh, he says, should I should I roll over my traditional IRA into my Roth IRA at 60 years old? Now, I've also a work-related 401k with 107000 as well as a designated trading account with 90000 I have nothing but standard deductions as our homes are paid for. Mm-hmm. So good question, Paul. You you didn't you give us the balance in the 401k. You didn't tell us how much was in the traditional IRA. When we look at doing a Roth conversion, which is what that would be, you want to look at how much you have actually in the bank. Um, so and how much you're converting. So let's just assume, since we don't know your traditional IRA balance, let's assume that you have 407, uh, 107 from the 401k. Let's say that's what you were converting. Well you're going to owe probably somewhere in the neighborhood, um, depending on your tax bracket, you're probably going to owe, call it $26,000 of taxes. So if you can digest a $26,000 tax bill from money that you have in cash in your bank, then it could make sense to do that. Because if it's, if it's not money that you're going to spend until say you're 73, 74, there's a good chance that that money will be more than double by the time you get to that age. And now you'll have $2 tax-free as opposed to $2 that would have been taxable. So, but it, every, everyone's situation is different. And this is one of those things, Paul, where it would make sense to sit down and, and figure out if it makes sense in your situation. Paul, if you'd like to give Steve a call, it's 800-705-9995. Bradley says, is it wise or unwise to start planning how I'll handle the inheritance that I get when my mother passes away? She's in her late 80s and in declining health, and I expect to get a substantial amount when she passes. So I certainly don't want to ask her what I can expect to get, but I do want to be able to start planning. How do you advise people on this? That's an interesting question. It's a great question. That's why I wanted to get to this. And I, I, there's a, there's a phrase, I, I went to school in New Orleans, so uh, there's, a, there's a term that they use in, in New Orleans called lanyap, which is something extra. That's how you should treat it, as something extra. This shouldn't be a core part of your plan. Um, you could 
factor it in as a potential cash flow. But in, in this case, um, you have no idea what the amount actually is that you'd be getting. So you want to see where you're at without it. And then when it comes in or when you have more clarity on it, then you model it into the plan. Sure. But um, you want to, you want to, plan based on not having it because anything can happen. You mentioned she's in her late 80s and in declining health. That could all go to healthcare and could be drained. So you don't want to, you, you never want to count on inheritance. You should always just view it as something extra. All right. But that's a great question. And so we, I definitely wanted to get to that. And okay, good. We, we get so many wonderful questions from our listeners. Sure. And so really enjoy spending part of su- every Sunday evening with, with our listeners out there. And thank you so much for listening. And we'll be back here next week. All right. Well, let me just remind everybody of the number 800-705-9995. Give Steve a call. Get on the calendar. Come on in and have that conversation and, and get your own financial roadmap going. You'll be glad you did. Don't procrastinate. We already talked about that. And again, we're going to come back again next week with new topics and questions all of that and more right here on the retirement referee with steve caruso the information on this program is educational in nature and is not intended to be a recommendation for any specific investment product strategy plan or other purposes information presented is believed to be factual and up-to-date, but we do not guarantee its accuracy and it should not be regarded as a complete analysis of subjects discussed. Prior to making any investment or financial decisions, an investor should always seek advice from a financial, insurance, legal, or tax professional that takes into account all of the particular facts and circumstances of an investor's own situation. Laurel Wealth Solutions and or Stephen Caruso offer investment advisory and financial planning services through Bellpoint Asset Management, LLC, an investment advisor registered with the Securities and Exchange Commission. Registration with SEC should not be construed to imply that SEC has approved or endorsed qualifications or the services Bellpoint Asset Management offers, or that its personnel possesses a particular level of skill, expertise, or training. Coach P Radio!